This is the Tan Report. I'm your host, Tan Trung. And down here in New Orleans, we're heading toward the final weekend of Mardi Gras season. It's going to be filled with people, parties, and of course, parades, including the Endymion Parade. Here are some of the sounds from last year's Endymion Parade. The New Orleans parade scene is something that's world famous, but at its core, parading, and the culture surrounding it, is really a local tradition. Arthur Hardy is the founder of the Mardi Gras Guide. In New Orleans, he's seen as the Mardi Gras guru. It's my 48th year doing the magazine, but I I marched in my first parade in 1958 as a 12-year-old trumpet player, and then as a high school band director, I marched in a ton of parades. I've been a participant or an observer since at least 1958, and earlier than that as a kid, we went to parades, you know, so I don't know, 100 years. (laughs) If you want to know about the multitude of parades and the organizations behind them, we call them crews, then Arthur Hardy is your guy. That said, and this may be a bit surprising, he's not always enamored with the production or the pomp and circumstance of parades. It's funny, it's not about the parades, it's about the people. Mardi Gras in front of you, or parades are in front of you as they pass, but it's, just, it's the 360, it's the people, it's the smells, the sounds, the music, the stuff around you. I, I often take my eyes off the floats and just watch the people. Whether it's the people or the floats you want to see, the Endymion Parade will deliver on both. It's arguably the biggest of what we call the Super Cruise of Mardi Gras. Parade organizations usually reach that status when they have more than 1,000 members paying dues and at least 500 people riding in their parades. Endymion's parade blows those numbers out of the water. This is Dan Kelly, the captain of the crew. I met him at the crew's den where they keep most of their floats for the parade. The props are beautiful. Barry Kern and his people did a great job, and we're loading floats now. We're, we're almost finished loading, and we're just going to sit and wait until Saturday, February 10th comes. How many floats you got this year? We have 81 sections all together, this thir- 37 tr- uh, pulling units. Okay. So translate that for me. So like... That's 3,200 30, members. Okay, 3,200 members. So eight. So 37... 37 tractors. 37 tractors in 80... 81 units. 81 units. So like the Pontchartrain Beach float can pull nine floats. Uh, we have some floats that pull four, some, uh, some tractors that pull four, some tractors pull three. Safe to say, Endymion's parade is massive. But even giants have to get their start somewhere. When Ed Munez, who worked in local radio founded the crew of Endymion around 1967, it didn't seem like much to Arthur Hardy. I knew Ed from his radio days. I used to work at WSMB Radio, and uh, I used to do a a little booklet each year that they gave away 50,000 copies of of the football schedule, what games were on what radio and TV stations. So he was at WNNR at that time, which used to be WJMR in the Jung Hotel. So we interacted there where I'd go over to him and say, Ed, can I have your football schedule? I think they carried Notre Dame back then, not sure. Anyway, so I knew him from 1965, which is pre-Endymion. And I knew he was a really energetic guy as a promoter, you know, always looking for something new. So I, I was at the first Endymion Parade, and it was not at all impressive. Rented Carrollton floats, no big deal. But then I watched them explode into a super crew. Dan Kelly remembers those early years of Endymion, and the first time he met Ed Munez, who he refers to as Edmund. I was actually riding in another parade, and I was supposed to have 24 people riding with me. I was, I was in college at Loyola. And I found out that instead of putting the 24 guys on two or three floats, 
they put two guys on 12 different floats. I was on the payphone at the municipal auditorium, and I was putting nickels in the payphone, calling everybody, telling them what happened. And this guy taps me on the shoulder, and I said, look, I got a lot of phone calls to make. If you want to use the phone, you can use it. He says, I want to introduce myself. My name's Ed Munez. I'm the captain of Endymion. They did you wrong. He used other words, but (laughs) they did you wrong. He goes, but if you can get 36 guys next year, I guarantee you that you'll have your own float in Endymion. So I got my guys together. We rode in that parade. Um, We went out that night and had a couple of drinks after. And I told everybody, and everybody put up money for the next year. So I actually brought the money to Ed before that parade, and I rode in 1970 with, with Endymion, in addition to the other parade I rode. And the next year, Edmund made me uh, an officer, and I've been an officer since 1970. So how old was Endymion at that point when, when you Endymion joined? was about four years old. And did you, what, what did you know of Endymion before that? I didn't know anything. Ed, I was 20, Ed was 30, he's 10 years older than me, and uh, he was infectious. I mean, he, you know, you, I mean, you've met him, you've, you've, you've had interviews with him. Um, you bought into the Kool-Aid. He served a lot of Kool-Aid. He sure. did, he certainly <laughs> did. And I was with him through most of his elections, um, and I helped him as much as I could. And, uh, I mean, he was just a great, wonderful man, a great family man, and, um, you know, you couldn't help but like the guy. You heard Dan mention elections. Ed Muniz also spent almost 30 years in politics, serving on Jefferson Parish's council, the Kenner City Council, and also as the mayor of Kenner. Through politics, parading, and radio, Ed Muniz was someone supremely plugged in. But if he had to choose among those three, being the head of a Mardi Gras crew probably would come first. It seemed that way for Ed Muniz. And he always told me, I did great in radio, and I did uh, wonderful in uh, politics, but people are going to remember me as the captain of Endymion. That's what they're going to remember me by. And sure enough, that's really what it's going to be about. That's Jim Hanzo. And I'm on the Endymion board. But before that, I am the son-in-law of our founding captain, the late Ed Muniz. This year, when the parade rolls on the Saturday before Fat Tuesday, it'll be a first for the family of Ed Muniz and his extended family of Endymion, because it's the first parade since he passed away. Muniz died last May, after years of declining health. Everybody's doing well. You know, it's the first year, and we're going through everything, and we knew that this endymion was going to be a hard year for the family, for my wife, my sister-in-laws, for my mother-in-law especially. I mean, we have to consider her. So everything's a first for them. But it's a good time when it's endymion, and this is what they live for. And it's a process that I think they have to go through, and they are going to go through it, and we'll, we'll come out on the other side better than ever. While New Orleans and the millions of people who have come to the city to experience Mardi Gras have seen the spectacle of the endymion parade, Jim and the rest of the Muniz family had a unique window on the creative process behind it. The parade has long been known for its massive and elaborate floats. But as Jim told me, those often were products of an Ed Muniz idea that sometimes came to him during family vacations. We always saw the visionary that he was and the things that he was looking at way ahead of everybody else. Or for instance, the ETV float. That's the float that goes down the street for Endymion and it's crowd, it's live shots of the crowd. And they wave and it goes through. Well, we were in 
New York City, Manhattan, Times Square. And we're there, and they're showing all the people up there, and they're waving at the camera, looking at themselves in Times Square. And he goes, I want to do something like that. And it's like, well, okay, I guess he'll do it. And sure enough, he did it. He did it just the way he wanted it. It's customary for crews to hold balls after their hours-long parade. As the crew of Endymion grew exponentially over the years, so did its ball, which is called the Endymion Extravaganza. Ed Muniz always looked for ways to make that extravaganza bigger and better. And when it came time to book the entertainment or headliner for the ball, Jim says Muniz usually turned to his grandkids for advice. He'd come over to our house and he'd, he'd say, oh, girls, what do you like? Talk, talking about my daughters. What do you like? Uh, Tori, Jamie, my niece Erica. Who, who do you think we should get? Well, Paul, we think you should get so-and-so. Flo Rida would be good. Or um, Darius Rucker or whatever, you know. And uh, Jim Hansel, pull that up on YouTube. And you go pull it up, and he's watching and watching, watching hours at a time. And then he makes his decision. Okay, we're going to try to get them. You know, That's wild to me because I, I can't imagine being a part of something, a part of a family that you're sitting around, maybe putzing around, saying, you know, I'm wondering who I should have headline this yeah. year. And He'd ask the girls. He'd ask the girls, yeah. and all of a sudden, and, and hey, David, there it is. his grandson, they, they knew. You know, he was always looking... He knew the way to keep Endymion going was to get young people to come to Endymion. And to do that, they would have to have an act that they liked. Now, you still have to cater to the older folks, but if you get that young act, they're going to come, and they're going to see everything that goes on at the extravaganza and all the hoopla and the energy, and they go, I want to be in that parade. And that's how it goes, and that's how it continues to roll. And he was just very good at that. Eventually, the extravaganza got so big, it found a new home at the Superdome. Here's Dan Kelly again. Ed never did like the traditional balls. So he was a showman. As you know, he owned many radio stations, and he wanted to put on a show, and that's what he did. And it's, it's worked for us. Uh, when we moved to the Superdome in 1981, we never realized, never dreamed that we were going to be as big as we were, because at the Rivergate, we had 8,500 people. That's all you could fit in a Rivergate. And when we found out a month before the event, that we had oversold the tickets. I called Ed on a Sunday night. And I said, Ed, I don't know what to do. We've oversold by two or 3,000 tickets. And he goes, well, it's easy. Just give the last people their money back. I said, I put everything in alphabetical order. I don't know who the last people are. So we called Bill Curl at 10 o'clock at night. Bill set up a meeting for us the next morning. We brought our contract from the Rivergate. The Dome said, we'll give you the same contract that you have at the Rivergate for this year. And we end, I think we ended up having like 13,000 people. And we changed that in one month and never looked back. It's amazing. It's We've amazing. had as many as 20,000 people. And everybody is really looking forward to going back to the Dome next year. We're thankful that the convention center did what they did for us because the Dome was under renovations. But we're going back to the, going back to the Dome. What are your emotions this year? I mean, this is the first year without Ed. It's bittersweet. I have a surprise. I'm going to unveil it. Saturday before the parade starts. And um, I think it's going to be very emotional for a lot of people. I know it is for me. It's going to be a different year because Ed's not with us. And, you know, Ed used to always call me almost every evening at 5.30, 6 o'clock. How many tickets did you sell today? I miss that. And, and uh, we'd talk seven, eight, ten times a day. Um, but it was, always, it was always fun with Ed. Ed and I have been together for 53 years. And... Each year, we just kept getting closer and closer, and I would help him more and more. 
And then finally, I guess within the last 20 years, we, we were like best buddies. And one thing I remember that he said in, in the Tom Spicciune one day is, if Dan Kelly tells me it's Christmas, I'm going to start putting up the Christmas tree. And that's what kind of relationship we have. We talk at 11 o'clock at night, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and um, we'd sit at his house and go over things, and he'd say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Then at 9 o'clock the next morning, I get a phone call. Let's change that. Let's do this. So he was always thinking. He was always trying to do things different. He always wanted to make things better. I used to have a party every night uh, at my hotel room at the Hilton. We've been staying there since the Hilton. Wait, when you say every night, you're talking well, ev- just during Carnival. D- well, during Carnival. Okay. Um, the, the day after Endymion. I say, you're living a life, man, <laughs> if you're having a party every night. No, the night after Endymion, I, I have a party in my room, and Ed used to always come. We'd have about 20 or 30 people. And he'd sit down at the, on the sofa and he'd say, what can we do different next year? And he was, he was always looking ahead, always looking ahead. And so we're going to continue with the Ed Munoz way. The theme for this year's Endymion Parade is Silence Are Golden, an homage to the silent movies of Hollywood. At the crew's den were floats featuring huge figures from old silent films, like The Mask of Zorro, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Sherlock Holmes. Considering that Ed Muniz had to rent floats for Endymion's first parade in 1967, the crew has come a very long way. And practically everyone who's associated with Mardi Gras will say it's all because of Muniz. But the size and scope of Endymion never seemed to be reflected in his ego. Here again is Mardi Gras guru Arthur Hardy. Eventually, you know, we became friends. They hired me to publish a 25th anniversary book for their crew in 1991, so I really got to work with him. The most memorable thing ever from Ed Muniz was when I went to his home and I said, okay, we're here to start the book. I need your scrapbook, your archivist, your history, historian. You, know, you must have a whole lot of stuff. And he said, I don't have anything. <laughs> he said, quote, what did you say about shit? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Arthur, and this was the quote, we didn't know what we were doing was important. And he really meant it. We just, it just, it's ephemeral. You know, he was it's just serious. doing Yeah, we're just doing it. We didn't know this had any historical context or where it was going to lead. We were a bunch of guys having fun and sharing joy. And that was it. But we didn't know what we were doing was important. And man, was it and is it. In terms of the big picture of Mardi Gras, modern Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. where do you think Ed Muniz fits into that picture? I don't think it would be a stretch to say Ed was one of the most influential individuals in the history of Mardi Gras. I mean, really, that's not a stretch. Why? He and Blaine Kern, well, he was a visionary. That drive to make it bigger and better. Now, some people will criticize the bigger part because you don't have to be supersized to be a super crew. But I don't think he ever did it at at the expense of quality. He wanted quantity and quality. And, uh, I mean, it's the model for super crews. and, And it didn't start out as one. It started out as a neighborhood parade with rented Carrollton floats, but he saw the future in, in, in Bacchus, and he said, oh, yeah, I can do that, only better. <laughs> and, you know, you can argue which parade's bigger and better, but he morphed in from a neighborhood parade into a super crew in one year, and the rest, as they say, is history. You have to consider he's the longest, he was the longest-serving captain in the history of Mardi Gras, so that says something. That's Jim Hanzo again the son-in-law of Ed Muniz. He says in the world of crews, it can be easy to get caught up with the competition. Ed Muniz said he got his idea to form the crew of Endymion after seeing the Bacchus parade roll. Bacchus, along with the crew of Orpheus, are known to be the original supercrews. Jim told me Muniz's constant quest to improve Endymion 
made it one of the must-see parades of the Mardi Gras season. His vision for keeping Endymion alive and helping it grow and Mardi Gras to continue. And he always told me, you know, we had talks many times, and he always said that, you know, there's a, a deep respect amongst captains. You know, they would look out for each other. Look, there's a competitive edge that they all have. And he competed. And he competed. But there's a respect. And if, uh, if we needed to go behind Bacchus because we had a rain, a rainy day night on Saturday night, you know, he knew that Bacchus would step up and let us do that, and they did. And, uh, you know, it's things like that. I mean, his legacy just goes on and on. A person's legacy can be told through their accomplishments, sometimes even their failures. In the case of Ed Munez, his accomplishments were many. But to Arthur Hardy, the way Munez treated people is what stands out. And that's something that will be on the minds of many of the crew members as they ride this year. Unlike many organizations where the captain is, uh, how can I say this politely, uh, tolerated but not loved, Ed was loved, it was beloved, and a lot of affection for him. So I think it's going to be an emotional experience for a lot of people, but I don't think the, the crew will skip a beat. It, you know, Ed's hand will still be in this, and the crew is under the capable leadership of Dan Kelly, who's, you know, had a major role with Endymion and Ed for years. So, uh, and of course, there'll be some special tributes to him since the parade's rolling on his birthday. How cool is that? Isn't that ironic that it falls on his birthday? It's going to be a little emotional, I think, but we're going to honor him in style. There's a lot that they're going to be doing, some stuff they haven't even told us yet, so we'll just be surprised when we get there. But Just uh, hearing the stories that people have shared with me, I feel like you would expect you guys to have a good day on that day in particular. I'm kind of counting on uh, good weather, maybe because of him. <laughs> Hope he's looking down saying, let's give Endymion good weather. As they say, the show must go on. And in honor of Ed Munez, Endymion will go on, celebrating all the way. In New Orleans, I'm Tan Trung for WWL Radio.